Hey, guys, it's great to be here. Everyone's over here, so I'm going to just stand, like, you know, off-center here. Uh, so, um, did everyone know that Steve and Julian had a baby? Yeah. I just seen pictures so far, but there they are. So you get the backup preacher today. So today we are talking about uh, the the actually I don't even know what the title of this series is, but life in community, right? We're talking about what it means to be the church, what it means to live in community. And Stephen, Steve gave a great introduction um, last time about uh, the series that we're doing here. I'll, some of you all are distracted, I see. <laughs> By the way. By the way, um, Colin, can you stand up? This is Colin, or you, I guess. Yeah, everyone can stand up. This is Colin Armani. He's uh, actually an old friend of ours from Boston, uh, visiting. Uh, so, introduce yourselves. Amen. Colin Armani there. So, um, guys, the, uh, the real intent of this series is to talk about how we can live in community and how um, we can be the church. And the idea is, right, that Christianity, our Christianity is not about what we believe only, but what we practice. So when someone sees you, when someone sees your life, they would know you're a Christian because of what you do. And so our goal is to become Sunday to Sunday Christians. So it's not just about what you're doing on, on Sunday morning for a couple hours. Oh, that, that's great. We've got some great singing. We've got some great teaching. But really what you're doing in the world and how we're partnering with God in the world and what he's doing. So these are the seven practices that we're going to be talking about. Table fellowship. Steve did that last week. Yep. Uh, the, the ministry of reconciliation, which is what we're going to talk about today. Proclaiming the gospel, being with the least of these, being with children, fivefold gifting, and kingdom prayer. And Iggy, are you recording this? Yes. 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 Perfect. Got you. Thank you, bro. <laughs> My wife will be very grateful. Um, so these are not strictly, you're not going to find a list like this in the Bible, but these are very biblically based. I'm really excited about it. For those who are wanting to do extra credit, it's based on this book awesome book. I've read it. Uh, a lot of what we're going to be doing tonight is based on that loosely. So, today, reconciliation. Come on. Fun topic. Welcome. That's awesome. Hey, good to see you. Alright, so let's open up to, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <coughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Alright, can I get a volunteer to read this? 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. Bob. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who 
reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Awesome. Thank you. So I love this passage. This is uh, Paul is talking first and foremost about the reconciliation that we have with God, right? And the amazing, uh, the amazing thing that we are a new creation because of what God was doing through Christ. God was reconciling us to himself through Christ. And what's awesome about this is that not only has God given us that forgiveness and welcomed us into that relationship again, but he's given us a mission, and that is itself to be like ambassadors with him and partners with him in his mission of reconciliation. Yeah. Reconciliation is in the heart of the gospel because God was always trying to and always was and always is trying to reconcile people back to him. So we have the Garden of Eden. There was a relationship with God. There was a relationship with each other. Ever since that has been broken, God's mission has been to bring us back to him and to bring us back into reconciliation with each other. And we are ambassadors. So what does it mean to be an ambassador? You're going to a foreign place. You're representing that person. We are ambassadors of God's reconciliation. And I think he's primarily talking about persuading people to be reconciled to God, but in participation with that mission, we imitate, we imitate God. We imitate Christ. And so we need to be um, imitating him in, in his reconciliation, not with just God, but with each other as well. Um, you know, these are other scriptures that I'll just mention. Ephesians 2. Uh, in one body, he was reconciling both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So he's talking about reconciling us to God as well as reconciling Jews and Gentiles together, that project together. Colossians 1, 20 through 21. Um, and he was reconciling all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. So these are scriptures about how God has, in this project of sending the Messiah and this, and this mission that, he's, uh, that he set out from the beginning, that he was seeking to get back to that Eden relationship reconciling and us back to himself and that was through Christ. You know, working through conflict is part of being in community. Is it? Not. And it's actually going to be a pretty challenging lesson tonight. I'm hoping to keep it fun and lighthearted, but um, this is a very challenging topic. Being, staying in, at peace with one another. Staying at peace with God, but also um, you know, being, being in community with each other and resolving conflict is super important. You know, I know um, when I first moved to Portland, I lived in these different apartments with brothers, and there was just constant, like, little conflict, I would say. Uh, we were young, 
And the conflict in that area was like, hey, you didn't do the dishes for the last week. You know? Hey, we're running behind on our bills because you haven't paid me. Um, or, you know, like, hey, bro, you're, you're kind of take your showers are a little long. <laughs> so our, our bills are going up, so you gotta pay your fair share, you know? Those kind of conflicts, right? But that's super important. That's like the crucible of learning how to manage conflict. And now, the biggest conflict, area of conflict I have now is with my wife. That's a super important area that we're always working on. We have an awesome relationship. I think we've, we've learned a lot about how to um, resolve conflict. And that can be big things or small things. Like, I don't like the way she cuts ginger, so I confront her on that. I say, you're doing it wrong, and she says, no, 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 you know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know how to cut ginger. <laughs> you know, my kids, it's like a constant ministry of reconciliation. It's just daily. I mean, I'm trying to teach them how to reconcile amongst themselves. And, and at their age, sometimes I do have to come in and be a referee. But ultimately, what I'm trying to do is teach them how to work it out themselves. So when I see them working out conflict, it's like the best thing in the world. <laughs> so we, we need to be taught. Like I, What I'm learning about humans, about adults, is we're just kind of like bigger kids, right? We have the same problems. We still get in fights over toys and <laughs> space and TV shows. And But we just, we're more subtle about it. We're, we pretend to be a little bit more upright about it. So. Um, so Steve loves discussion questions, right? So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to imitate him as he imitates Christ. So here's our first discussion question. What are types, what are the types of things that we need to get reconciled about? We're just example, throw things out. And please don't name names or ask <laughs> aggressively, talk about your conflict with your roommate. With each other. Oh yeah, I haven't gotten into these yet, but I will in a minute. Types of things. Anyone? Who's gonna do what in church? Who's gonna do what in church? Great question. I don't know. <laughs> Who is? That's a big source. Yeah. Hurt feelings. Hurt feelings. Hey, sis, the way you said this hurt my feelings. Great. Uh, communication. Communication. More specifically. Uh, Sometimes uh, we forget to communicate things and we get into, uh, like, we might get into conflict in which we never say something, but we never say something in intended. And sometimes we just, we lack communication. And uh, I'll say we sometimes, when we lack communication, we assume things. Yep. about the way you were resolving a conflict. <laughs> That's a lion and Jesse special right there. Lenny? Yeah, it goes hand in hand with the communication. There's um, expectations, you know, unmet expectations. Yeah. Which are not communicated. Yeah, unmet expectations. Bob? I was, I was just thinking, uh, things, something as, as simple or, or simple, but pers just personality differences. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
personality types, you know, and so we all have ones that we do naturally well and others that we don't do so well. <laughs> yeah, right? Some of us are conflict avoiders. Some of us are conflict seekers. Misunderstanding. Yeah, it's like you might say something and the person might take it the wrong way and you didn't intend for it to be that right. way. So and their feelings might be hurt. Um, but you, you know, you, and then you feel misunderstood, so that might be, you might be hurt by that. You know? Just a genuine misunderstanding. No one is has any malicious intent. It's just the way things were communicated was just off. Yeah, good. Ken? Um, uh, boundaries? Different people have different. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Octavia, then I'm going to move on. But I love you. <laughs> um, I was thinking, like, um, all of, like, as people were sharing, it made me think of this, like, timing. Like, let's say something happens, and, like, in the moment you didn't realize it bothered you, but, like, maybe, like, half a year goes by, and, like, wait a minute, why is this coming up again? So I think sometimes, like, because we have different personalities, like, we may not have processed the thing in that moment. So I think just timing itself is not a conflict, but just the way we perceive or the way things sit can sometimes create something or assumptions. Absolutely. Yeah, well, when things get communicated, how they get communicated, the order of things. Absolutely. That's great stuff. So God cares deeply about us being at peace with each other. And this is a, this is a pretty diverse community right here. We've got lots of different folks. And trying to build something together is actually pretty challenging. And we, so we're just really trying to foster a spirit of peace and a spirit of reconciliation amongst one another as we're doing this. These are some awesome scriptures um, just that I, I thought of when, it, when I thought of, you know, how to uh, think about being um, in fellowship with other people. Colossians 3 says, bear with other, each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So uh, our forgiveness and our ability to um, you know, show mercy and grace comes from our understanding that we ourselves have been forgiven, right? Um, and then sort of on the warning side, because uh, there's always encouragements and warnings, right? Uh, Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with all men, and be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause us trouble and defile many. You know, you can, if you don't deal with your conflict, a bitter root can grow up in your life. I think most of us have seen that in our own lives or seen that in other people. You can miss out on the grace of God because of conflict with other people. Isn't that wild? Galatians 5.15 if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or else you'll be destroyed by each other. Mm -hmm. I always thought that was kind of a funny scripture. Mm -hmm. Stop biting and devouring each other. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about a little bit of some practicals. I'm going to go through three spaces that we practice these disciplines, and I think Steve went over this, but I'm going to go over it again. So the first one... This is just a model, okay? Again, it's not strictly biblical, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good way to think about these practices. So the closed circle, not the closed circle, the close circle is a space where everyone present is committed to Christ. Everyone present has a covenant with Christ. 
So as we're coming together, we know it's a high trust environment. We know that we can call each other to that commitment. We, um, you know, we all we all know that we have committed ourselves to Christ. And so the way that you operate in terms of reconciliation in that space is going to look different when you're in a, a space where it's mostly non-Christians. Let's turn to Matthew 18. Uh, and can I get a volunteer to read that? Whenever you turn there. Matthew 18. Just give, just give a minute. Alright, so this is like a little playbook of how Jesus helps us to deal with conflict, right? So the first step, there's three steps. The first step is if someone sins against you, I don't think it has to be just if they've sinned against you, but um, if there is a sin in the community, if you observe something, if they've sinned against you directly, of course, then Jesus says first go to that person. Now, this is actually super challenging. If we all are honest with ourselves, we are all guilty of not doing this. I think it's actually kind of partly human nature, partly in our culture, to um, not do this immediately. Like I said, some of you are conflict avoiders, some of you are conflict seekers. I pray for the latter. Most of us are conflict avoiders, so avoiders. And so we, we might... We might bury it. We might avoid that person. We might hope that uh, someone else deals with it or someone else talks to them. Or we might hope the minister, you know, oh, that's the minister's problem. I'm pretty sure it doesn't say that in here. Um, it doesn't actually say anything about that in any of the steps. But, you know, what are, what are, what are reasons of why we might, like, what are things that would keep us from talking to someone directly. Octavia. I think for me, um, like our society is very much like, it, it's weird where like, for me personally, I would feel like, okay, maybe it was just me, like maybe I'm the one because it bothered me, I'm the one who's like wrong. So like, I, I might tend to be like, hey, like to my roommate and say like, hey, did you notice that? Or was I making it up? So it's like, I don't believe what might have hurt me. And so yeah. I'm not going to speak up because maybe it wasn't maybe I imagined it, or maybe it wasn't that serious for yeah, whatever yeah. reason. Did anyone ever take like Psych 101 and you learned about those experiments where you have like someone does something crazy, like just steal something in front of everyone, mm -hmm. and if there's like one person, that person will say, "Hey, stop!" Mm -hmm. 
But if there's like 20 people, no one will do anything, right? So we think like, oh, they must be doing something right because no one else is doing anything, right? That's a good point, okay? Anyone else? Fear of how they'll react. Fear of how they'll react, big one, yeah. It takes a lot of courage, right? A lot of courage to come talk to someone, yeah. I think sometimes <clears throat> we can assume that the person is gonna react a certain way, so you think you know, like, oh, if I tell this, then they're gonna, they're just gonna do this, because they're, you know. So assumptions in your own mind. You've already built me. up a story of what they're gonna say and how they're gonna react. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Sarah? You've overanalyzed it. You've, or you've thought about it too long, and you've talked yourself out of it. Yeah, Lindsay. Um, I think sometimes we go to seek advice, but which I think usually, I'm speaking from my own experience, comes from a good heart, but it's not necessarily what the first thing that they should do always. Yeah, there's, there's a couple ways of avoiding it and set, and making it seem like you're doing the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. If you do not have a good relationship with that person, yep. that makes it mm -hmm. 10 awesome. times harder. Absolutely. So, and especially if you are, like you mentioned, afraid of their reaction back then, like, or afraid that it's going to cause that person to then really talk that, oh, did you know what so and so? Yeah. Because you don't know what they're going to do with it. Yeah. also times when you know that if you say something and it becomes an issue that other people will not back you up. In other words, the culture the culture of, say, the church is such that if you address this issue, the church has grown so accept, accepting of this problem that yeah. your voice is not going to be heard. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a tricky one, I think. I think there. I think, for me, I identify a lot with what what Lindsay said. Um, so I'll go to someone else, right, and I'll I'll try to get perspective or get advice. But really, it's just gossip. And sort of in my mind, I've made it something more than that. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons why we sort of triangulate. We try to maybe talk to someone else and hope someone else deals with it. So, but Jesus just says very plainly, go to that. Go to that person and show them, show them their fault, you know. And I think um, some of you might have unresolved conflict, like right now. No. I'm actually very certain that there is, even maybe between people in this room. Maybe you've got unresolved conflict with me. Maybe you just you're like, oh, this is great. After after the fellowship, we talk to Jesse. He's finally giving me a reason to talk to him. I hate the way he does his singing. <laughs> he always just does two songs together. We don't get to breathe. We're just trying to go to, we're just trying to, go to church. We can't breathe. Um, <laughs> so, you know, maybe you've got unresolved conflict with me, but I encourage you, come talk to me. And I, I really want to, I think this is a great opportunity to, to just bring this up in the community because we want to make this a community where people can come.
above <laughs> each other and not fear retribution and not fear that the community won't just support them. This is, this is a space where we're striving to be like Jesus. We're striving to follow him. We're striving to follow what he's given us in terms of these steps. Amen. So I know it can take a lot of courage. Yeah, yeah. Ken. Oh, no, you just said, uh, reminding me of, I think, a big reason. Maybe we don't do this because we've had a bad experience in the past of doing it, and it gets picked up from back at us, and so therefore we think it's, it's not worth it because we've had some bad experience trying to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Lindsay? I'm oh, sorry. I want to take it. No, no, it's good. Um, I thought of another thing, but like the plank in the spec. Sometimes we don't want to point out someone else's sin because we don't want them to turn around and point out ours. Yeah. And that that's kind of fair game, honestly. Like, but that's part of what we're we're talking about here. I think I think it does take a lot of courage. I don't want to minimize it. I think that there are real deep things. There's obviously like some things that you just need to kind of get over and talk, but there's there's real deep stuff that can cause deep fissures in our own lives between people that can that can destroy you can lose your faith over this easily. You can destroy churches. So, um, you know, I, I just, I guess I just want to implore you, please, just search your conscience. And if there is unresolved conflict that you, you haven't spoken up, please talk to someone. It's easy to say after fellowship, hey, can I talk to you? You know, I, I saw the way that you were speaking to your son, and it, feel, it feels like you were being a little harsh. You know, and most of the time, 90% of the time, that person is going to be so thankful that you did. Sometimes they're going to be defensive, and that's the worst. But that's why we have step two, right? Okay, second, second step. Let's say it doesn't go well. Let's say they, you know, whatever, any number of things could happen. They get defensive. They say, why are you talking to me about this when you got all these problems? You know, I'm not being harsh to my son. You know, you're you're the one that's you know you're too soft and I don't know whatever so so we now we have step two right Jesus says if 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 you can't settle it bring along one or two witnesses now why does this sort of work practically speaking like empirically we kind of know hey this might work why is that or from experience has, has anyone had experience has anyone gone through this Good experience, bad experience? <laughs> I can say I can be insecure about what I'm bringing to the other person. Yeah. But if I have another person with me, it's reassuring, and it also helps me to not chicken out. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that need to be worked out, in fact, aren't sins in the traditional sense of what we think of sin, but it's it is a sin in terms of missing the mark and not being like Jesus. So Definitely. You kind of have to wade through what's just disappointments and uh, disillusionment. Yeah, I want to be clear. It's not sin necessarily exclusively. It's disappointments. Hey, the way you said that joke, it really hurt me. You know, you, I, you, 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 you planned this party and didn't invite me. I mean, th so there's a lot of things that we need to resolve that aren't. Um, sin in that sense. Um, yeah, so I think this is, a, is an opportunity to bring in independent and trusted people into the process. 
So what we're trying to do is get people who we respect, that we mutually respect and agree on, that aren't biased, that aren't bringing in some kind of agenda. This is a space where you're mutually submitting to each other, you're letting the spirit work. This is not arbitration. So at the end of this process, there shouldn't be a winner and a loser, right? Because that, if there's a winner and a loser that comes out of this, then you both lost. You, you just um, settled and you, you set up for more bitterness. So when we come together and bring in people, it's, it's helping to cool the air a little bit, bring in some perspective. But again, it's not arbitration. It's coming together, mutual submission, making space for the spirit, being present to each other, doing it face to face, and hopefully coming to some resolution. So most of the time that works, right? Has anyone ever been part of a time where that didn't work? I have, plenty of times. That's why there's step three. There is only three steps. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time on this. It actually is a very challenging topic, but there are situations, and, and let me say this. I think, practically speaking, it's okay to skip step one if you feel like you're not there. And there are sensitive situations where I think it's best not to directly approach the person. Abuse, different things like that. So bringing in someone is, is, is always a good idea anyways from the start. But sadly, there are situations where you just can't resolve that conflict, even bringing in mature people. And Jesus says very plainly, bring it to the community. Bring it in front of the community. There's a social aspect to it. It's very sad. Um, we've done it here at Casco Bay a couple times. Um, some of you have been part of that, um, involved to varying degrees. It's very sad, and it's sobering to see that happen, where you have to, you, things have gotten to the point where people have not been able to resolve conflict. There's sin, and people have to bring it in front of the community. So at that point, we're bringing in leaders. We, we don't have an eldership here, but we'd be bringing in mature um, couples and, and letting that process work. So um, I'm not an expert on that, so I think we're going to go on to that. <laughs> All right, so i got to move. The dotted circle. So the dotted circle is a space where you, where it, it may be mostly Christians, or it's a space that people are, um, people are together who have covenant with Christ, but we're inviting people into that space. So an example is midweek. You know, we, I, I, we try to make this an inclusive space. Uh, Sundays, of course, our community groups. So you might have, you might have just Christians, you might have people coming in. And that's an awesome space to practice this discipline of reconciliation. The, the reconciliation that we can have with each other is such an incredible witness to the world. The world doesn't have these tools. The world doesn't really deal with conflict, I think, in a healthy way in many cases. And we, we just have this amazing opportunity to, to, be, to, 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 to share this with the world. So, Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, and I'll go, I'll, I'll be quick here. So 1 Corinthians 6. So this is a, this is a bit related. Can I get a, uh, uh, a reader for that? 
Um, is it okay if I read from the Amplified? Yes. Okay. Does any one of you, when he has a complaint, a civil dispute with another believer, dare to go to law before unrighteous men, non-believers, instead of placing the issue before the saints, God's people? Do you not know that the saints, God's people, will one day judge the world? If the world is to be judged by you, are you not competent to try trivial, insignificant, petty cases? Do you not know that we believers will judge angels? How much more, then, as to matters of this life? So if you have lawsuits dealing with matters of this life, are you appointing those as judges to hear disputes who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is not one wise man among you who is governed by integrity and will be able and competent to decide private disputes between his fellow believers? But instead, brother, go to law against brother and that before judges who are unbelievers? Why, the very fact that you have lawsuits with one another is already a defeat. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? On the contrary, it is you who wrong and defraud, and you do this even to your brothers and sisters. Awesome, thank you so much. All right, so this is a fairly plain teaching of Paul. He's, uh, there was obviously some disputes going on. I don't know the nature of the exact disputes. Maybe it was a legal dispute of some kind. But they're taking it, they're taking that conflict, whatever it is, and they're bringing it into a public space. They were taking a conflict that could have been resolved in the community with all the resources that's in the community, and they're bringing it and letting, letting uh, the government or letting, you know, letting the, the, the legal process take over. And, and, and why is it that Paul cares so deeply about this, right? He says at the end, and, and, and this is happening in front of unbelievers, you know, like, people are witnessing this. Yeah. You're literally taking your conflict and you're bringing it out into the open. And what, what is that saying about you? You've already been defeated, is what he says. And so when we're in a space where there's witnesses, we have an opportunity to demonstrate how to do healthy conflict resolution, how to resolve disputes. Instead of the contrary of what Paul is saying is, you know, you've just, you, you, you're not being a good ambassador of Christ in the, in the ministry of reconciliation. So I think practically speaking, I had a hard time a little bit coming up with some practicals. I think practically, of course, from this scripture is don't take your brothers and sisters to court. So let's, <laughs> let's try not to do that. But in a, in a more principled way, we have the resources in this community to help each other, right? And in your community groups, you know, maybe there's simmering conflict there. What would it, what would it be like if you called that out, like in the group? Would that be like mad awkward? <laughs> or maybe it would be like a good opportunity to, to really let the presence of Christ and let the Spirit move in that space. So you're in your group and someone says, makes a joke and, you know, you notice someone might have been offended by it, and you just say, hey, how did you feel about that? How did that make you feel? Did that make you feel good? And they say, no, actually, I was really hurt by that, and I appreciate you bringing that up. And now we can talk in the space. I don't know, maybe that doesn't happen in our group, but our group all, it's all nice people. Yeah, one. 
So during COVID, I had a chemistry class, and so everything was online and Zoom. And this girl called me out because um, someone else was in there, and she took, she got, she got really bothered because I rolled my eyes. I said, like I was, like, I thought it was talking for too long. So she posted on, on the group chat, hey, Mark, you, you know, you know, that's so disrespectful because the whole entire dorm class while the teacher was talking. So the class was 100. In the group chat? In the group chat. So that probably wasn't the most healthy way of dealing with that conflict. That's not that's not what I'm referring to here. That's a good example of maybe she should have talked to you individually. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Did that make you feel pretty embarrassed? Uh, at first I was like Or did you appreciate that? She should have done that probably instead of just yeah. Yeah, that sounds, I would definitely, I would have left the class. <laughs> like, see you later. Yeah. The other thing that Paul says here, he says, why not rather be wrong? Why not rather yep. be cheated? In other words, within, within our fellowship, there are times we just have to back off of our opinion, and, and even if we suffer for it, to end, to end the conflict. Absolutely. In other words, reconciliation, rather than taking it to a judge, like a you know, small claims court, just say, okay, you know, I lent you the money you're supposed to pay back at this time. Uh, I, I'm just going to forgive the debt. Absolutely. Okay? Wouldn't, wouldn't you rather be wrong but then expose this to the world? Right, right. Yeah, that's, and a, that's a choice we make. And yeah. we can choose that anytime. And yes, it costs. And yes, it hurts. But... Sometimes reconciliation hurts. Yeah, part of the ministry of reconciliation is is forgiveness. And forgiveness always costs. Yeah, with something very similar to Fred, it's just apologizing. It, it's yeah. like it, it just our culture doesn't apologize for anything. I mean that's that is the professional way, right? Yep. In our culture is you don't acknowledge fault. You never apologize for anything. It enters into I think, you know, in a conflict, there's almost always some fault on both sides. And in a conflict, if you, instead of just focusing on the, what you feel like is 95% of the other person's problem, focus on the 5% that you could have done better. Start the conversation with, with an apology for, for, for that. Absolutely. And uh, so just starting with a conversation with your own apology is really important. It's really hard. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. We're not I'm not trying to you know, trivialize some of this stuff, but Octavia. Yeah, just as people were sharing, I was just thinking like for me it just seems like an opportunity to practice, like whether it's our yep. church family or like even at work or wherever, because yep. it's like we're not just gonna wake up and be like, Wow, I love conflict now. Like I mean for me personally, like I, I who loves conflict, but like the more I practice, the more I'm confident that I like might know the words to say or I can pray to get the words to or maybe I just bring a scripture and I'm just like, I, like, I feel wrong, here's a scripture, I want to be reconciled to you. And it's more about us staying in a relationship than anything. 
we witnessed abuse. We witnessed an abusive relationship in the apartment next to us. And to this day, I have deep regrets about not trying to help in some way. It was very distressing. It was very challenging situation, but we, if I could go back in time, I would have done something. I would have had a presence there. I would have tried to be um, an ambassador of reconciliation in that situation. I don't know what that would have looked like. I think most likely it would have been rejected. I think most likely people don't want you to intrude in their business. They're, they're, they would be very embarrassing, but just because we could be rejected doesn't mean that we can't imitate God in this way because God himself is, of course, rejected in his mission of re reconciliation as well. Right. You know, I don't know, just at the workplace, in your neighborhood, the, the world is, and the world is a big, scary place, and it's very divided right now. This is where Christians can have such an amazing witness. There's racial tensions, there's political tensions. My neighbor is a, uh, he's an awesome guy. He's a, he's an 80 year old Irish Catholic guy. He's the nicest man. He probably votes top to bottom Republican. Okay, but he's a nice kind of Republican voter. <laughs> so he, last year he had signs on in the front of his house. All, you know, top to bottom Republican, which is great. Um, but I think the only one in the neighborhood, right? You know what I'm saying? Someone came in the middle of the night and took the signs. Which I think is, yes, exactly. That's my reaction, exactly. I think it's the most petty thing. Like, whoever did that is first so well informed that they know all these candidates, of course. They know all the positions. But, um, you know, that, that's, that's an example of they've been captured by ideology, first of all, that you would go to someone's house and take their signs. But, but I'm thinking, how can I be a presence in this neighborhood? How can I be a, a voice of reconciliation? I don't think I'm going to encounter that person. I don't know. But what I'm focused on in my neighborhood is looking for opportunities to be a person of peace. Maybe in these conversations, these big conversations that we're having, in a face-to-face -face way, maybe we, we're not going to change the world. You know, we're not going to fix these problems, but we gotta, we got to do what we can, and we got to partner with God as we're trying to do that in the world. So that's all I have for you guys. Please have a good fellowship. Go easy on people. <laughs> we love you. Have a good night.